Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games, and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming in and checking us out. Episode 126 here as we continue to climb. Uh, thank you, Brendan, for coming on tonight. I reached out through uh, through the YouTube messages of all all places, which is which is kind of cool. I don't think anybody's ever like reached out to us that way before. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I'm not I'm I'm not very up to date on things, so I usually you know go through whatever channel I can find. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Uh, before we get started, so we're going to be talking about uh, the wandering heroes of Ogre's Gate and your new supplement, Ogre Gate Inn. Uh, but mm -hmm. before we get to all that good stuff, which I'm super excited about, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you how, how did you get into gaming? Um, oh, I, I I guess I got into gaming in '86 when I was a you know just a kid in the '80s, and uh, uh, I some of my friends introduced me to it and. The way they were describing it, it sounded like the best video game in the world. And then when I showed up at the guy's house, there was pencils and paper, and it it looked almost like homework. And I was kind of <laughs> disappointed. And then we started playing, and I, it just clicked with me. And I I've been playing ever since. So I'm assuming you got your start with D and D then. No, actually, I think it was a variation on BattleTech. And I've been trying to figure out for for the longest time what game it was i don't know if it was a game called mech warrior or I, there are a few candidates that people mm -hmm. have proposed to me because i didn't really know what the the guy made pre-gens and then we just sort of ran our characters i know i played a robot and it was it was actually a pretty crappy character i was fairly <laughs> disappointed with 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 my stats compared to the other people's but but the game was unbelievable and that just the idea that you could just do whatever you wanted to do and it was it was like uh you know I, I don't even remember the plot but i remember we were on all these different planets doing all this crazy stuff and there was a little bit of a cyberpunk uh vibe going on in the campaign that he was running but it just uh I, you know it, it was a a real amazing experience and it just sucked me in so fast and uh but i i still don't know what what system it was hmm. oh that sucks I, uh, yeah. I I got in, uh, I guess we're in college, and uh, one of the first things I had played, unbeknownst to me, and we didn't really do it as a role-playing game, but I did play Battletech with a, a guy I was going to community college with. We would set up like, I don't know, like nine, 12 maps on the floor. We had sheets taped all up on the walls. We had everything separated out into squads. But yeah, like you said, it's pencils, papers, dice, lots of adding, tons of math. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the I mean, I I looked at it and I was like, this just looks like painful, and you know, but but once we started, all that stuff went away. The paper, the pencils, it was all just there to facilitate whatever was going on in the setting, and so, you know, it sort of evaporated. I didn't care, but uh, but yeah, I know, man. I know there was like a there there's a there's a BattleTech RPG. There's there was a I think the game was called Mech Warrior, mm -hmm. some variation of that, and uh and and for all I know, he could have just been cobbling it together from various pieces and then he did start us on D D. so i know we, we uh i i don't know what edition it was i believe it was uh was some form of basic D D. uh because i remember him using the uh 
the basic D and D modules. Uh, and then, you know, the satanic panic happened. I had to take yeah. a year break and then, and then I was able to resume and I, and then we were on to AD and D and two E and, you know, a variety of other games. I, I, I grew up in an area in, in Boston where we really played a lot of different games. So D and D was always the mainstay, but there were usually a number of other games like Torg and, uh, you know, GURPS, obviously, and just various, uh, you know, unusual games that we would maybe play for, you know, a one shot here or there. Right. Did, I, did you see that Torg's got a, a reboot? Shane Hensley's got a, a new uh, Torg universe coming out or, or maybe it yeah. is out. Yeah. I, I don't, I've been, I, I heard about that. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, one of the downsides of running a company is I don't get to play as much of the stuff that's coming out that I'd like to, but that's one that I would, I would like to revisit because I had a friend who ran Torg and we used to play in the Orar setting and, and I, I really enjoyed that. So I, I, and it's been so long that I, you know, I have, I have the, I, I, I actually bought the box set again uh, about a year ago, but I haven't really been able to play it. So I, I'd, I'd like to revisit it and see if it, if it holds up or if I'm just remembering it a particular way. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. whenever they, whenever it's rebooted and there's new stuff, that makes it more exciting. So, right. Uh, you know, like, and just in terms of recruitment, you know, uh, it's easier than if you have this, you know, old used box set and you're trying to get new players. Yeah, but that's the good stuff, though. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, you know, I I'm happy to play that stuff, but I just find the recruitment aspect of it can be a little bit harder. Uh, yeah. But you know, with the right crew, I, I uh, you know, I'm uh, especially now. Now that people are more open-minded about going back to the older things, it's it is a little bit easier. And, mm-hmm. and there's sort of like a, you know, I think people are uh, are getting drawn to the charm of 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 the older stuff again, which is kind of nice. Yeah, well, it's a it's a nostalgia. I mean, you know, we're all getting old now, so it's like, oh, I remember back. We, I remember that campaign and this thing. It's like, oh, we should, you know, we should play the you know second ed again, you know, and start yeah. a campaign or do a one shot or whatever. Well, it's also sometimes you kind of build up all this stuff in between, and it's nice to go back and say, let me just eliminate all the stuff that was happening in between there and get right back to sort of the root of it. So that was, you know, that I. I, I think I think that it's uh, I think it's nostalgia, but I think it's also, uh, you know, reboot would be the word. Just kind of getting back to the basics every once in a while. Right, right. Uh, do you have a favorite system? Um, well, I, right. I mean, I pretty much run my own games now, so I, right. I'm I'm sort of locked in with that. But uh, you know, if, I like Savage Worlds. I like D and D. You know, I but but. You know, again, unfortunately, one of the one of the downsides of having your own company, if you're if you're putting out stuff, is you really have to run your own thing. So, just in terms of what I'm familiar with now, it's my own system. But but I'd say if I'm a player, I really like to play in Savage Worlds. Um, you know, the you know I I'm comfortable running third edition D and D. I'm comfortable running Doctor Who, um, but but most of the time I'm running Overgate. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, how did you get into game design? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just one of those things that every gamer is kind of a little bit of a designer. And around 2005, 2006, me and Bill, my business partner, started talking very seriously about making making games. And I was making games with other people. I had made a number of games up until then, but uh, I started getting very serious about it. And in 2009, we started Bedrock Games, and we released Terror Network, and then we followed up with uh, 
with Crime Network, which is like a mafia game and uh, and horror show and Servants of Gaius. And uh, we uh, we published Arrows of Indra and then Satorius and now Wandering Years of Ogregate. So um, it just kind of, I don't know, we just kind of decided to do it. And now is like, you can do it easily. Do you know what I mean? There's no, uh, the, the, the bar is so low that it's very easy to enter into, into, uh, into publishing now. So. Mm -hmm. Self-publishing and then, you know, especially with games like, you know, RPG now and, and all those kinds of places, you know, game crafters for, you know, board games and things, or if you need components for, you know, for tabletop games, it's, I don't know. You know, you say it's low and it makes it sound like, well, you know. I, I don't mean that in a bad yeah. way. I don't mean it. Not, I mean it in a good way because I think gamers it, and gaming, it's it's the kind of hobby where a lot of people can be game designers. Do you know what I mean? It's not, right, you know, right. some of the best stuff I see is fan content on the internet, on blogs and things like that. So having the bar low is is, is good for the, just like, you know, having having more things out there to choose from can be can be good but um but i'd also i'd be remiss if i didn't mention too that i i uh when i first started one of the first things that i did was i i wrote uh, an adventure for rogue games for colonial gothic and so that would i guess that would really be sort of before we start before bedrock that's sort of the thing that really kind of got me into you know oh i can do this you know right um but but yeah i mean obviously if the bar is low that does mean you can have you know, a lot of stuff that sucks too. There is that, but, uh, but I don't know. I like the, I like the utility of having all this stuff out there. And, and it's cool. Cause you, you know, you get some, you know, more offbeat things, maybe stuff that, you know, you know, maybe say like a monster hearts, uh, that wouldn't necessarily, you know, 20 or 30 years ago have gotten the nod at a publisher and you're like, well, screw it. I can just do it now. I go to Kickstarter, uh, you know, with social media being what it is, you, you know, you, you do have a lot more options and, you know, sometimes you've got to weed out, you know, some things that may be, you know, not as fantastic, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool, you know, pretty cool time, I guess, to be a designer, because like you said, you, there, there is more viability for people to, to jump in and do it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely. And, and, and also, I mean, it creates more competition. So, I mean, on the one hand, you know, maybe, you know, like, I, I think people do sometimes see that, that lower bar is a bad thing. I think it kind of it kind I I I like having that because I feel like there's more there's actually more quality coming in also. Do you know what I mean? I mean yeah, there's more coming in in general and so maybe there are more things that kind of aren't as good, but there's also more good things coming in and you have to compete with that. So, you know, just to use Ogregate, there's a ton of people making games like that. And I have to I have to consider that when I'm when I'm making something and I can't just I, I can't just count on the fact that, oh, I'm, on, I'm the only guy or I'm the only one of two people. I know that not only are there other people out there, but there are people who are observing and they'll just jump in if we're not giving them stuff that is at a certain level. So I think, I think it kind of elevates the game too across the board. I don't think it's, I don't think just because it's easier to enter that everything just kind of sort of spreads out thinly and gets bad. Right. And, and it's cool now with, with podcasts, so we can do things like this where, you know, you can have people come on and be like, hey, I've got this really cool project. Somebody please listen. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we, we have the ability to, you know, have people come on and help promote that and help support, you know, the, the community. And, you know, you still support the big guys too. Like, you know, Chaosium's awesome and, you yeah. know, Watsy is what Watsy is. You know, it's not like they really need the help, but, you know, it, it's cool to be able to bring people on and, and you know, 
put a spotlight on on a you know on a project or you know on a company and say hey this is cool too you should check this out it's you know yeah i mean to me it kind of reminds me a little bit of some of my experience in the 90s where there was this there were just all these different games that i remember playing at that time and i felt like you know i there was a local comic store that we used to play games there after hours and there was just i was always being introduced to new systems that were a little bit different or quirky and and then i think you know early in the 2000s everything kind of got everything was sort of d20 um but now i feel like i feel like there's that there, I, I feel like i have so many options now and 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 there's still that d20 there's still you know like the osr has all the sort of various old versions of D&D and you have 5e and you have you have all these options but you also in addition to that have you know a crazy number of 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 like you said you know smaller games that are trying different things yeah um i just lost my place <laughs> no, that's okay no worries uh, uh, so you guys you were talking about you know all the different games that you've put out put out so far um, have you had your hand as designer in each game or do you take different roles depending on what the project is? So the only one that I didn't have a hand in designing was Arrows of Vendor, which was an RPG pundit game. But other than that, um, I've been involved, you know, and also in some of the modules, there were a couple of modules where I hired a writer. Uh, so when we made Terra, the Terra Network line, uh, there, were, there were a few modules there where I just hired people to write them. But for the most part, I've been the lead writer, the lead designer. Um, and, uh, and, you know, my, my business partner, Bill passed away a couple of years ago. And so ever since then, it's been, it's been, uh, me, but also, uh, Dan Orcutt and some other people from the group of, uh, sort of, you know, it's, it's me, but there's also people behind the scenes that are contributing in various ways. And, uh, you know, and so, so Dan Orcutt and Ryan Turner, are two people that you'll sometimes see on the rule books. Uh, with their names there, but there are other people as well. Okay, cool. Um, so we're going to talk about, you know, the wandering heroes of Ogre Gate and the new supplement, Ogre Gate Inn. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about the setting. What's the setting all about? I mean, it's, it's basically a wuxia setting. It's, it's, you know, it's martial arts with, you know, sword play and, uh, you know, uh, heroes that have chi-based powers and, you know, can use things like lightness kung fu and pressure point techniques. And it's pretty much inspired by the old Shaw Brothers movies, the various Wuxia TV series that are based on, you know, Gu Long books and, and Louis Cha novels. And it's, it's intended as sort of a, um, just kind of an homage to the genre. And, and the system is based on a system that we use in all of our games. And it's uh, particularly based on our, uh, our, our more recent fantasy RPG, Sartorius. And there's a connection between the two systems and settings as well. Okay, and and before we go any further, do you want to explain what Wuxia is? Oh yeah, it's 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 basically about martial heroes. It's like the I get the most famous example would probably be Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's that uh, sort of uh, you know uh, a, 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 a martial heroes uh, in in a setting where you have this martial world and sex, you know, fighting each other and you know. With it, with a strong emphasis on things like swordplay, that's that's how I would describe it. There are more, uh, there there are more uh, academic uh, definitions of it, but my definition is if it if it feels like an old Shaw Brothers movie, <laughs> and you know, then that's that I'm sort of in the right zone. 
Okay. And, and, you know, it's like you say with Cratch and Tiger, it's, you know, kind of running up a tree or running along a, you know, a, a wire, like, you know, it's sort of above and beyond the normal, like, okay, we're just going to have some martial arts combat. It's elevated yeah. to like a whole other level. Well, yeah, there's, there's certain things that you would expect to see. So you'd expect to see sort of like internal energy, like the, you know, characters who are cultivate, cultivating chi and can use that in their martial arts. Characters who can shift their body weight and achieve a certain level of lightness. They're able to leap over buildings and things like that. So there's these, you know, there, there are these baked in aspects of the uh, cosmology that sort of explain those things. Um, and, you know, so... And, and again, I, you know, and these are all sort of movies that are that are largely based on on the works of of guys like Louis Chan, Gulong, and so there's a there, there's sort of a there's kind of like a shared universe almost a feel to them. Okay, cool. And, uh, and as you mentioned, the setting sort of falls within the same cos cosmology as uh, Sartorius. Had so it was did it originally start as like oh I'm just going to you know create this world within the fantasy setting, and then it kind of morphed into its own project or was it intended yeah. to be its own project so yeah it, it so it started out we had satorius which is kind of like a um uh, characters who are semi-divine they have a spark of a deity in them and that opens up all kinds of things and i realized i could do Rusha there and i wanted to i kind of wanted to scratch that itch because i i had been i I had been running a lot of wuxia campaigns and it was something I wanted to do, but it's very niche and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't at the forefront of what everybody else wanted to do at the time. So, uh, so I just started carving out a little area of Satorius to experiment with that. And then I said, Hey, you know what, I'm going to make like a little 20 page, you know, supplement for Satorius where it's, you know, where the emphasis is more on wuxia. And the more I started working on it, the more I just was expanding it. And then it went from being this thing that was just a 20 page document that constantly referenced Satorius to taking out all those Satorius references and turning it into a full game and then uh, connecting them through the cosmology. And, and so that, so that there's a, there was a seed that was planted in Satorius that I knew was going to become Ogre Gate. And, 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 and yeah, so it started out as just a, you know, a little supplement that I didn't even know if I was going to charge anything for. It's going to be free. And that's why, that's why it's pay what you want now, because I realized, oh, I told everybody it was going to be free. And, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm basically making a 500 page rule book. So I guess what I'll do is I'll do pay what you want <laughs> and, and hopefully it'll, it'll work out. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, now the, the, the overall setting is, is loosely structured on the song dynasty. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 definitely more inspired by the song dice. And the reason for that is I wanted I want my benchmark was can I do Condor heroes in this setting? And so that's sort of the tail end of the song dynasty. And I wanted to make sure that uh, that that I could at least do that. And then I figured if I if I have that as a base, then then I have space for the setting to sort of progress into other eras from there. Um, and so yeah, so it's definitely more song dynasty. And and I think that was. That's good because it, there's a lot of history and it's it's a lot easier if you choose a period and kind of focus on that period. And again, it's not a historical setting. It's a fantasy setting, but right, it's right. inspired by it. And so I do try to uh, draw on as much of the history as I can. And if I if I if it was if it was at a, a further point down, that would just be, you know, more history to 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 really have to bring into it. Sure. And, and how much time did you put in 
in that research? Like how in depth did you wind up getting into, you know, Chinese history as you were working on it? I got, I got pretty deep, I think. I mean, I actually went to college for, for history. That was my major, but, um, but China was, I only took one course in China while I was there. And, uh, you know, so, so, so after college, I, I read up on Chinese history. I had an interest in it, but I found I really had to, to go back and, and, and give myself a crash course on some things that I wasn't like, th there were things I knew from the movies, right? Like, you know, I was, you know, I'd, I'd been watching these movies and I knew sort of what the tropes were and I knew, you know, and I had been involved in martial arts and stuff. So it wasn't like I was totally, uh, you know, coming in with, with no, 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 uh, knowledge beforehand, but the, um, I, I, I had, I had to essentially create a syllabus for myself and and follow the syllabus and 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 i i think uh i think we ended up with the with with i think a pretty good setting uh from the from the the research that we did i think the research was pretty instrumental in in getting things uh to where they ultimately were sure and and the setting itself i mean i i I didn't read them cover to cover, but I, you know, I went through, you know, both books, you know, fairly well. And it's like super rich and in-depth and some of the, you know, just almost like throwaway, like, you know, this NPC has this like crazy backstory of where it came from in like two paragraphs. I'm like, wow, it's just so cool. And I, I imagine that it comes not only from the movies, but, you know, doing that ridiculous amount of research to, to, to pull, like said, those tropes and all that stuff together. I think I think most of that's from the movies. There's and from the books, but there's like a you know there's a thing in 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 the genre where characters will just have like suddenly they'll they'll reveal this weird backstory that they have that sheds that illuminates why yeah. they're doing what they're doing and and so I tried to incorporate that wherever I could and and, and so I re I really want and, and again I don't I it's it's an homage to the genre so there's there's you know if people go and they watch Brave Archer they'll see a lot of like what I'm trying to get through there. Uh, if they, you know, if they go and they, if they watch a bunch of old Choi Yuen movies or something, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, the, but I think, I think this setting does a really good job of, of showcasing the genre, um, mm -hmm. which was sort of the, the intent. Cool. Very cool. Uh, specifically with the new supplement, there's uh, elements of Shensha as well. Uh, can you explain what that is? Uh, I can try. It's, it's a, it's a, it, <laughs> It's basically a, a, a more fantasy-driven uh, Chinese uh, genre that's, and a lot of it comes out of sort of web novels these days. You know, if you go to a place called Wuxia World, you'll find uh, a novel called "I Shall Seal the Heavens," among many others. And these these are stories that involve characters that that they're not just martial heroes. These people go on to become really powerful, and so you know they're just they're, they're it's, it's a whole other level above. The, the power level that you normally encounter in Wuxia. Wuxia has, Wuxia has very grounded supernatural elements to it, but it doesn't, it doesn't tend to get, you know, into, into the territory that you see in Shansha. And, uh, and so a, another, another example, there was a, a television series called The Journey of Flower, which, which I drew a lot of inspiration from in uh, uh, the Yoga Gate In book. And, and that, that also sort of gets into that territory. But just a little bit, you know, not not quite, uh, not 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 like pure fantasy. But you know, you you'll tend to have these these various uh, uh, sort of 
immortal Taoist sects and things like that. And there, there may be, you know, gods involved and, you know, things of that, that nature. So it's, it's a little more in like journey to the West type territory. Okay. So you see, you, you could potentially see stuff like the monkey King or, you know, Fox spirits, or, you know, that would be more, I don't want to say integral to the setting, but, but more common or, or not as unexpected in that particular setting. Yeah. Well, we also drew from a lot of like uh, Chinese horror stories. So there's a, a, a an anthology called Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio, and there was a lot of stuff that I drew from there in the Ogre Gate In book. Because the Ogre Gate In book, it's it's it really started as an homage to the Dragon Gate movies, and the first Dragon Gate movie is directed by King Hu, and so he also directed a film called The Touch of Zen, and that's inspired by a. Pu Song Ling story from a Strange Tales in a Chinese Studio, and and I guess I was just sort of thinking King Hu, Pu Song Ling. I was sort of combining those things in the in that region, and and so yeah, so it's it's a really kind of a mix. There's horror, there's there's wuxia, there's shansha. Um, it's the the Li, the Li Fan book, which is the Ogregate book that we're talking about. That is uh, that is that goes in a somewhat different direction than the core book i think it kind of went where i where i started taking things in the campaign after i was really running it for a while okay and and, and you had a long-running campaign in the in the leaf on uh leaf yeah. on, uh, area right yeah i had a um i still have a long-running campaign going on there <laughs> um I, I think i'm i'm trapped there forever for a while <laughs> I, I i have a um i have a I, so I had the Bonebreaker uh, campaign, which it makes its way into the book through Bonebreaking Sec. But that was a group that I play with every Sunday online. And I just kind of let them loose on the setting and, you know, just just to see what would happen. And 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 so uh, so I ran that campaign for, I think, a little over a year. And then we got a new player. So we're like, hey, let's let's start over. Let's let's start fresh with this guy. And, and so that became disposable disciples. And that's the campaign that I'm, I currently have my, uh, session logs. Uh, you know, again, it's once a week. So there, you know, there's usually a session log posted every, I don't know, I'm a little behind this week. I, I, <laughs> I had my session on Sunday, but I, 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 I got lazy. I didn't do a session log. So, uh, so I'll, but, but usually once a week, there's a session log and, uh, and yeah, so I, I've had, you know, those two campaigns. I also have a Saturday campaign, which is, I would say more of a traditional type campaign with um, uh, it's it's my campaigns tend to be sandboxy, but this one there's there's more uh, there's more big adventures going on in the uh, in the Saturday game, and then I also have a game on uh, Tuesday that I that I play, and uh, and so I, I got a number of ongoing campaigns, but Leafon I, I I've had a steady campaign that's kind of been really based there for a while now. Cool. Yeah, I saw the Bone Breakers in there and I'm like, man, there's just so much information here and, you know, plot hooks and stories and maps and, and same thing with, uh, with the palace, uh, the Yao Gong Palace, like the isometric maps and like all these different like side quests and things and you can, you know, try to find the plans for the Flying Guild team, but they're not there. And yeah, I was like, wow, there's just like so much stuff in here. Like you could just run a campaign in one of those settings. Yeah, no, that's the point. I want I I wanted to do it in a way that was a little bit more friendly to. So so one of the things that 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 I, I sometimes encounter when I would try to run Wuxia campaigns or when I would talk to people that played them was this this sense that they were maybe a little bit unattainable because 
you know, you, you're trying to emulate a wuxia movie, so you want it to feel like a wuxia movie. And some sometimes I I, I think that uh, we're, the the image that people had of what it should be got uh, it was contrasted with what a like what a typical D and D campaign would be, and and the elements that the, that were considered D and D elements are sort of ignored, if you know. So, and I'm, I'm saying this very uh, very poorly, but what I'm trying to say is that if you if you go and you watch a lot of these old Wuxia movies, there's dungeons in them, and there's uh, and there's a lot of features that you would you would encounter in a regular you know uh, Western style fantasy campaign, and so I. I, I focused in on those when I was when I when I was reviewing the movies and things like that. I really paid attention to 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 make sure that that I incorporated that into the setting. And so I just feel it's more gameable as a result. As it gives you a uh, you you can do the 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 thing with the sex and the and the martial heroes. That's definitely part of it. But there's also room to go dungeon delving if you want to. There's room for you know monster hunts and all you know all, all sorts of different approaches. And, and so, so that's just what, so in the, with all the stuff going on in the setting, that's, you know, I, I, I maybe went a little bit overboard with, with the details, <laughs> but, but I don't know. I, th- I think that kind of, it works. Like I, 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 I ended up, you know, I, I get, I really enjoy doing it. So, uh, right. yeah, so that's just kind of how I've been, uh, making the material, I guess. Well, it, it certainly comes through as someone who's not super familiar. Um, there, there is just like a ton of stuff for you know for you to be able to pull from and and i will throw this out i was going to clarify you're saying sects so it's s-e-c-t yeah yeah because it it comes out real fast and i'm like i know what you're saying but (laughs) yeah yeah i'm saying so so clans we'll say the word clans yeah there you go (laughs) so so yeah well i have i have a series called sex of the martial world and uh and that did kind of become a joke because people i realized after a while people thought that's what i was saying but uh (laughs) But no, it's it's martial clans of the of the setting. That's what that's what the line is, and uh, yeah. So there, I mean, there is that aspect too. You know, there is the uh, you know the the sort of the the rivalry between the sex and the masters and all that. But but yeah, so yeah. Uh, but you know, we we can use the word clans if that's. <laughs> Uh, I just I, I I just thought it was funny because it's come up like two or three times and I'm like I should probably say something <laughs> <laughs> like what is he talking about sex <laughs> uh, so this uh, uh, pull this from a, a different area of my brain here as you're kind of talking about stuff do you find do you run any games in meat space do you have any games at home or at a game store or do you do everything online these days I. I actually, I, 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 ha- I do most of it online. I, I, my Saturday game is on paper. It's a real game where we all meet up at my house, but what's ended up happening is I just find it more convenient to play online now. So I've, I've slowly shifted them onto the online, uh, you know, approach. And it really, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's the same. It's the, it's the same as if they're here to me because I'm so used to playing online now. Um, but you know, but like I said, I t- technically my Saturday game is is you know, I'm if 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 I'm intending for us to play online, I have to mention it to them. Otherwise, they would they would come to the house. So sure. so that's technically an, a, a a real game. But I I I I have some limitations. I have Crohn's disease, and I've been uh, sick for the past seven years. So 
I, I don't go to conventions anymore. I don't go to game stores anymore. I used to do that stuff, but, but I don't know. I, I, in this, in this age with the internet, you don't really need to, to play face to face. I know people like that, but for my style of play, I don't really need it because it's mainly sort of a theater of the mind approach anyways. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I said that was the crux of my question as to whether or not you, you know, felt that there was a difference. Like I do, exclusively at this point really all of my rpg playing online for the podcast i i haven't sat at a table with people in i like two or three years <laughs> and and i in a in that sort of sense in a theater of mind or even like a heavy rp uh style of game it, it kind of doesn't matter especially when you do have video but yeah. I, like i'll find myself like in in playing a character like waving my hands getting real mm. close to the monitor and like you know still try to emulate as if we were at the table so i yeah i, I find it interesting that you feel it's it's more or less the same well, I, you know what it was? at first i didn't feel that way when i first started i remember getting very annoyed i was like this does not like it was i was having <laughs> trouble connecting like and, and part of it was skype wasn't as good back then yeah. um and i think we might have been alternating between skype and google hangouts whichever one we thought was best at the time but 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 after a while i stuck whatever it was about that that was annoying me whether it was the glitches or just you know people not sounding exactly the same that faded and it just became like is if they were here. And so now the good thing about it is I get a game with people all over the world. I don't have to, I don't have to game with people that are just living next door to me. It's not. So, so I have a group, my Tuesday group, they're from England. I'm the only American in that group. And it's right. an, an interesting experience because I, I feel like I get, I get exposed to slightly different ways of playing. Cause there is, there are regional, there, you know, differences in how people sometimes play games, but I also get to meet different people. And, uh, in our Sunday game, we had a guy who was living in China and is a translator for for Shan Shao. And, you know, that was really eye-opening, getting that, uh, you know, you know, ha having somebody who was able to sort of critique uh, the content of the setting as we were playing it. And, 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 it, and it, it made things better. So, so I, I, like the, I, I like that online games sort of open up who I can play with. Right. You know, it's definitely cool. We've got people from the UK, you know, people in Wisconsin, people on the East Coast, people, uh, Todd Foley runs games for us, uh, as if productions, he's over in Nevada. So yeah, we're, we're kind of all over the place, which, which is cool. Cause you, like you say, you do get to meet a lot of different people and, you know, kind of pick up, you know, I, I, I can't say I've noticed a regional difference, but, um, because the, the one guy that's in the UK is actually from uh, Pittsburgh, so. <laughs> oh, okay. I, well, I mean, I, it just seems like there's some subtle difference. I mean, not as bad as it was when I first started gaming, where you could, like, walk across town and find another group that played in a completely different way than you did. And, and, and you know, but, but I think, like, if, you know, if I talk to people who are, like, on the West Coast, it seems there's a little bit of a different vibe going on there than over here on the East Coast. And, you know, my, my players in England, they're they're – they, they they seem to have slightly different preferences than my players. And, and how much of it is just those people versus the region? Yeah. No. But I feel like I get exposed to more uh, preferences by just having, you know, a wider range of people from around the world to play with. Sure. And it, it's a different, yeah, I mean, different environment. It makes sense that people would have, you know, sort of different expectations or different you know, just a different mindset coming in because their because their background is different. I mean, their yeah. you know their social structure is different to a certain extent. 
Yeah, so I think I think you know it it, it definitely uh, I don't know I think it's good I think it's good for a GM to to sort of have to deal with that um, the uh, uh, I think that um, the uh, uh, you know one one of the skills that I like to sort of develop as a GM is is adapting to different player groups and so it gives me an opportunity to 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 try out different things. Mm-hmm. All about the improv. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you were a martial artist yourself. How easy or difficult was it to translate what you knew about martial arts into an RPG setting? Well, I should say first, uh, my my training was mainly in things like Taekwondo and Muay Thai and boxing and a little bit of Sanchu, which got me some of that Kung Fu stuff because we did have to learn some of the some of the basic forms and things. But it's really not in the Chinese martial arts. And the Chinese martial arts are very different from Korean martial arts and Thai martial arts. Uh, but one of the hardest things for me trying to make a martial arts game was I really had to, when I first started trying to do this, I was bringing way too much of my real world martial arts knowledge into it. And I realized that number one, if you read like a Wuxia novel, it's pretty clear that they're really kind of letting their imagination fly a lot of the time. And they're not as tethered to, to, to what might actually really happen. And so I, I felt like, uh, a person who's coming to a game and looking for a, a wuxia experience is more interested in what is going on on the screen than in, you know, how I, uh, you know, someone who is thinking maybe more in real practical terms, how I think it should play out. And so I just kind of abandoned that and 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 just strictly decided, okay, I'm just going to go back, rewatch all this stuff, and and really sort of pay attention. And, and take notes and incorporate that into the into the game. And I allowed myself a few little corners where I could put in the things that I wanted for my real martial arts experience. But the only place that it ended up really coming into the game, and I, I've said this a million times to people, but is uh, is the, the the spinning back kick technique in the game. And and the reason why is because that was my favorite kick when I was competing. So I liked I liked that kick, and I wanted to I wanted to have it actually work the way it was supposed <laughs> to work in competition. Right. But, uh, but aside from that, it was it's all just sort of, you know, Hollywood, not Hollywood, Hong Kong style, Shaw Brothers style uh, martial arts. Did, did, did that open it up for you then when you, you know, sort of made that mental like, hey, I just got to kind of let that go. Is that was that more liberating than to, to sit down and kind of suss all those different techniques out? I, I think it was. And I think also it just kind of uh, it, 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 it. Uh, it's sort of like you're you you when you're a martial arts person you can kind of let that part of your ego get in the way too much and uh, and letting go of that part of my ego is really liberating um so i just you know not not feel feeling feeling kind of more like i was looking at the stuff fresh again was uh was what was liberating about it Cool. Very cool. I, uh, I actually did the Tai Chi for about six years. Okay. So you, you, so you, so see you, you have way more experience than I do with the, with Chinese martial arts then. So I think, uh, um, uh, it, it would be interesting to, to, to see, you know, what your, what your point of view on this stuff would be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've never done Tai Chi myself. I did, uh, I did, I did Taekwondo and I did, uh, I, Muay Thai was the one that really connected. And that's not really like a tradition. I mean, it's traditional in some sense, but it's really more sport oriented, I think. Yeah. Um, but how did you find Tai Chi? 
Uh, I enjoyed it. I uh, I initially started so the 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 seafood taught two separate classes. There was a martial class where we you know, learn all martial techniques, and then he taught what was called a healthways class. So it was more just kind of like what you'd see old people in the morning, kind of like yep. going through forms and like doing all stuff. And I'm like, that's for me because like I'm I don't want to say I'm an angry guy, but I, you know I I have issues that should probably be resolved. Okay. Uh, so I'm like, ah, that'll be good. You know, it's good moving meditation. You get in and, you know, like very first class, he's like, oh, you guys think it's this, you know, meditation. It's a martial art. I'm like, God damn it. Like, why am I in this class? Well, you did it for six years. So, I mean, you must have really it taken was, to it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I did the health thing for uh, the first couple of years and then uh, transitioned into also the martial class. So I did both. And then it was on demo team. Uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, we got like once a month, you know, every couple of months, if he could turn up something, uh, you know, for us to go out and perform for the school. So it, it was, it was cool. I enjoyed it. Um, it began to get more difficult, obviously in the, in the martial class. And, uh, just as, as life things were happening, it, you know, didn't work for me to stay and continue. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I, the thing that sucked uh, was that it was, I was like the youngest person in the class. It was easy for me to pick up the movements, mm -hmm. but the downside was that I didn't then practice a lot when I wasn't in class. So I got okay. a lot of work in class, but not a lot of work out of class, which kind of defeats the purpose. I get you. Yeah. No, demo, <laughs> but I did demo team for Taekwondo and um, I did demo and I did uh, competition and uh, you know, demo is fun. Demo is like a, and, and that's the stuff that ends up, on the screen. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the stuff that that's like where you, that's where like the whoosha stuff I think would be uh, relevant. So you probably have a good appreciation for it. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, actually I, I thought of doing Tai Chi at one point because you know, like I'm, my, my health's not the best, but I, I still sort of miss the martial arts. And, uh, and so I, the, the uh, I, you know, I thought of going to, you know, Tai Chi at some point, I may, I may still do it, but I'm, I think I'm getting to that point in my life where I'm just getting lazy and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't commit to all the different things that I used to commit to. Yeah. I, you know, it, it could be good. I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, if, if you're into all the things, you know, we did, you know, talk about Chinese medicine, like we didn't just do martial arts. We did, mm -hmm. you know, other stuff at, at one point we were learning, you know, like basic Chinese, which is like, ah, I'm not, I'm, I'm out of school now. Like I don't want to like, learn Chinese now, but um, you know, so, so there, there, you know, you get a good teacher and we also did some Qigong work too. So, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that, especially for health, uh, you know, could be something that, you know, could, could definitely help you. I mean, certainly not going to hurt. No, I actually, I was, I was, I, I made it, I made a, I made a promise that I was going to get into Qigong and I, 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 I abandoned it pretty quickly. I, I, <laughs> I got a book on, you know, on, on, on Qigong and health. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm just getting older and more lazy. So, but I'm also torn. Like I have to, you know, I, I do have to do like, when I work on a project, I, I create research goals for myself. And so mm -hmm. I find that a lot of my personal goals fall by the wayside. Um, I did get back into weights, you know, not too long ago. Um, but that fell by the wayside. You know. <laughs> uh, so I think I'm just getting older and more lazy. I see. You need a you need a partner. You got to get somebody to go with you. My my daughter, 
Shane, me going back to the gym. So the, the two of us started going to the gym again, because I, I'll go for a while and then I don't go and then I'll not go for two years and then I'll uh -huh. go for three or four years and they'll be like, ah, I don't want to be bothered. But you know, like, like he's, we're getting older. So it's like, you, you have to do those things. So I'm so lazy. I got a whole weight set that I, that, that, uh, that I use and, and, and I still somehow managed to stop doing it. You know what I mean? It's like literally two feet away from my bed. And uh, I even got like an outdoor heavy bag stand and all I have to do is buy the heavy bag. And I just have, just, just, I just haven't had the, 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 the time to go to, uh, to the sporting goods store and get a, get a good heavy bag. But uh, I think, yeah, again, I'm just lazy now, I guess. Yeah. Well, that, you know, and it's all the other stuff too. Like, you know, if you're, like you said, you're working on a project, you're, probably ensconced and just working on a project and not doing much other stuff. So, I mean, it, it takes to, you know, tends to eat up a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. I find so. Cause between the writing and the reading and then, and then also I do other things. I have the podcast that I do on Friday now with, uh, with the movies. And so I gotta, you know, make sure I watch, I have to, I'll, if I'm doing a podcast on Friday, I, I always try to watch the movie three times during the week. And so that's, you know, that's six hours <laughs> of time. And uh, if I'm if I'm doing uh, uh, and I have the uh, in between podcasts, and so right now I've been uh, committed to watching Babylon Five. So I, I saw that post today. <laughs> so I'm watching like six episodes of Babylon Five a week, and uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm not complaining. This is all fun stuff to do. Right. But uh, but but yeah, you know, if I, if I have to choose between Babylon Five and Weights these days, I'll go with Babylon <laughs> Five. It's uh. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, sorry, so we should probably get go back this way again. Oh yeah, I apologize. <laughs> um, so you you said earlier that you uh, use the same system for for all the uh, all the games that you're doing. It's the network system. So it's a it's a D10 pool system. You're trying to hit a target number. Uh, if you have uh, a skill, you know, a rank and a skill. So if you have you know one rank and a skill, then you would roll one D10. Uh, if you have no ranks, you'd roll Zero, you'd roll 2d10, take the lower number. Right. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of Day Trippers. Uh, Todd Foley does. It's it's a d6 based system, mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, it's more stat based than skill based. But you you know your stats will give you bonuses. So like you have you know your classic like you know brains and psyche and whatever. So if you have two dice, you roll you know 2d6, and then you know take the higher. If you have skills that have pluses, then you throw those in as extra dice. So I, like it was easy for me to like pick it up like, Oh, I get this like right away. Like I, I know what you're doing here, which, you know, was yeah, pretty it's, cool. a, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty simple system and it's pretty, you know, some people don't like dice pools, which I've discovered to my horror, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, some people like them and like them or, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, pretty, pretty fond of the, the system that we have. So, uh, so yeah, so I, and I should say it was Bill Butler who, who really kind of, uh, was in charge of the, 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 he developed that system. Like I, I, I told him what I think we should have, but he was really the one who kind of honed the original system. Um, and I think, uh, and the, and the thing that, that he always emphasized to people was it's, uh, you know, roll, you know, this number of D10 and take the single highest result. He was very particular. That single highest result was very important to him. And, uh, and I used to get lazy in my description and, and he would always correct me. So, um, but yeah, so it's, it all kind of comes from, uh, you know, when we first started, uh, you know, I think Bill did the, the bulk of the of the heavy lifting on the core system. Okay. 
And then uh, you've got primary, secondary skill groups, um, and then you can distribute points within those groups. You get more points in your primaries, uh, fewer points in your secondaries. Um, and, and, you know, as you were talking about Savage Worlds, Savage Worlds earlier, and, you know, you have a flaw system. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Because, you know, you have the murder hobo, like, all right, we're going to be the, the best and we're going to do all the things. But, you know, the more I role play, the more I really enjoy having that Achilles heel on a character is just so much fun to, to either play that on a regular basis. Like if a, you know, if a character is you know, an alcoholic or, you know, whatever flaw may be, or to have it come up at dramatic moments when you're playing, like you're trying to do a thing and like, Oh no, here's your long lost, especially for like a Usha setting. Here's your long lost sister who was also the assassin that killed your mother. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, well, that was the cool thing about the flaws in this. Number one, I tried to I tried to make as many of them as legitimate flaws as I could, um, but also th there was a lot of opportunity to, to to introduce wuxia tropes through the flaw system, and so that that was you know like the white hair uh, flaw, the um, you know the one arm. The, yeah, the one arm, one arm. Though that had to be in the game. Um, you know, one of my favorite movies is the One Armed Swordsman, and uh, and like I said, I wanted to be able. Uh, Condor Heroes was my baseline, and the One Armed Swordsman comes from uh, a scene in Condor Heroes. So, uh, so getting that in there was important. And um, Faded Flaw turned out to be way. More, that was something we, that I just sort of started out on a whim, and then I realized there was more to it, and and I developed that into a whole subsystem, and. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the, the flaws are one of my favorite. And, and normally I don't really, you know, I, I can't say that I've normally been as invested in the flaws when we've made games. So a lot of times, I mean, we make the flaws, but this time it really felt like it was connecting with the genre in a way that when we were working on them. Nope, you're freezing up a little bit. Oh, Maybe. am I freezing? Can you, can you hear me? Nope, there you are. Yep, you're good. <laughs> All right, hold on. The internet is doing its thing. Yeah, it's Google for you. Um, yeah, speaking about flaw, you know, when I first started looking at the book, it reminded me so much of, um, you know, Sunday morning kung fu. I used to go to my grandmother's after Sunday school because we would have dinner there, and you know, it would be uh, three stooges and then kung fu all afternoon. And it was just, you know, as I'm reading through this, I'm like, oh my god, this is so. It just it had such resonance for me, you know. I, you know, just as a nerd, I guess. And then I'm like, oh man, like there's got to be drunken master, and I go through hedonism, you know, wine. I'm like, oh my god, this this is the best. Yeah, the uh, well, I mean, like I said, like the the classic Shaw Brothers really had an impact on this, and so there's you know that's there's a, a lot of these you know the sort of the '70s style kung fu, um, you know, and Cheng Che is a, a really big influence in the book, and so. Um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, we, we tried, I, I feel like it's, a, there's, there's only so much you can do. Like we, we, I'm sure we miss things. And, and in fact, I, every once in a while I'll be like, oh man, why didn't I include this in the book or why not that? But I, I think we got a lot of it. Um, I feel like we got, got a good amount of it in there. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the techniques themselves, uh, the Kung Fu techniques are considered skills. Uh, mm -hmm. in combat, you would have two actions, uh, which I guess this is fairly standard. Uh, so you could, you know, make a skill and a move or two moves or, you know, kind of break those up. So, you know, it's interesting then that your Kung Fu technique is a skill. So it's your, your default combat action is a skill as opposed to like, oh, I do athletics or I make a climb check. It, no, it's your combat thing. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, and, and the and the and the kung fu techniques really originated with the Satoria spell system. So that was like a uh, so that's where the sort of the cathartic and the non-cathartic thing came up, and we realized, oh, that would work great for you know a martial arts thing. And so, uh, so every so I, I mean, there's basically you know there's like the two classic approaches to to martial arts. Do you make like individual like basically make spells for 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 martial heroes, or do you uh, do you make it more open? And and they're both. They're both totally viable approaches, but I decided to go with the. I'm just going to make a technique for like everything in the game, and and so and I and that's I thought that was just more fun for the, you know, you have the all the techniques have names and uh and and like you said, they're all tied to the skills, and so you know if you if you if you and so what that what what that also allowed for was you know like you said the skills are grouped into different categories, and obviously a lot of the combat skills are connected directly to kung fu techniques but some of the kung fu techniques are tied to somewhat unexpected skills as well so you get opportunities to use those um and yeah so so it's uh i i think the kung fu system works pretty well and i've been i've actually been experimenting with with variations of it for a new game um and and so i i but but then i after i was doing that i went back and you know, went back to Ogregate and I'm, I'm really finding Ogregate is my comfort zone for, uh, for martial arts techniques. Okay, cool. And, and you, you know, said there's a technique for everything that may be true. There's 180 techniques in the core book, I think. And then even more in the, uh, in the supplement Ogregate in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I have a technique for every skill, but a lot <laughs> of them. in Satorius, we actually made a point of getting every skill. We want we so when we did Satorius, we wanted to make sure that you could actually use basket weaving to uh, um, you know as a spell as as a spell effect, and so so there's a so our equivalent of basket weaving in Satorius uh, is one of the more attaches to one of the more useful spells, and in this we kind of took that route, but we weren't as militant about connecting every single thread. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, and so in every book we release you know new techniques, so. Ogregate in has techniques in there, and uh, and they're all kind of tied to the different sects that are present in the book. And I thought that was interesting too, going back, you know, to the movies and the, you know and the novels and things that, you know, and and even in you know traditional martial arts, you know, like Yang style Tai Chi is Yang style Tai Chi, and Chen style is Chen style, and that doesn't necessarily cross populate. So it's you know it's it was it's cool for me to see that you do have this distinction among the sex and that they are learning separate techniques and you, you know, you have to have a, I guess you don't have to, but you know, traditionally then you would have a Sifu in, you know, in the setting that is where you're going to learn these techniques. You're going to, you know, either be at the school or you're going to, you know, occasionally meet on some, you know, holiday or whatever and, and you know, go over all this vast knowledge. I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, that's what we try. I mean, and do with the sex, the clan clan books are um are sort of modeled on that too and the idea is i like like i said we i went for the I, I included the dungeons and stuff like that but a big driver of any wuxia campaign is going to be rival sex and uh and clans and so being able to pull out uh, a sect that has the you know various techniques so that they can say my iron claw technique is better than your you know your mad monkey kung fu you know you just it's it's sort of the the, the clash of the of the different styles is uh, is one of the charming things about the genre, and, 
and uh, and we tried we we tried to bring it in. I mean, I I think in the Overgate In book, uh, we have we have some interesting selections. We kind of, uh, you know, you know, there there's some unusual sex in there. So uh, mm-hmm. we got we got some we got some new stuff that uh, uh, covers new ground. Okay, and the and the Overgate In proper. Um, sort of facilitates more of a living setting, I guess. Like the NPCs sort of have their own objectives. There's there's sort of things happening in the world, you know, regardless, I guess, quote unquote, of, you know, the players being there, uh, which is, a, you know, a, a good, I guess, touchstone for, for GMs, especially maybe new GMs to the system to be like, hey, this is what's happening in this area. Go. <laughs> Yeah, no, that so that whole thing, like the ogre, the, not the ogre, the Dragon Gate in movies, like every single one of them pretty much starts with the, the heroes arrive at an inn and there's something going on there. And they kind of have to poke around to figure, you know, there's like something dangerous or mysterious going on. And so I wanted to, to emulate that, but I also was, uh, was sort of consciously trying to capture some of the feeling of the old Feast of Goblins module, because that's one that's always had an impact on me as a GM. And and that was all about sort of the living adventure. So those, it was sort of that idea of of you get there and there's a situation and the players can kind of explore it. And if they go, if they if they you know if they start doing things over here, they might find out about like a secret tunnel that leads you know somewhere else. And then if they go over here, they might find out about a tribe from the uh, from the the Kushan Basin that are looking for an artifact. Or people could just start fighting. Like there's. <laughs> set up so that you know different things can happen a fight can break out between two unrelated groups or uh you know wuxia is all about like these really larger than life characters that will be sometimes behave outrageously and and so i tried to get as much of that in there as i could um and i, I again i think it's it's one of those things i think it illustrates the point i think especially if you've seen you know wuxia movies and you and you and then you you look at the material it, I think it works as a good sort of starting point for a campaign. Cool. And, you know, even though they may act outrageously in, in Lee fan, uh, which is the setting around where the ogres, ogres gate in is at, uh, is outside of the empire proper. And, you know, some of those social strictures are a little bit more rigid, you know, including like you can't wear that color. You know, there's, oh, so yeah. there's a lot of that, like, Again, like rich, you know, you know, setting material that you, know, you wouldn't necessarily think of. You're like, oh, we're going to do a martial arts campaign. Cool. We get swords and we can jump around and whatever. But because it's based at least loosely on an actual historical setting, you do have a lot of these interlocking parts, which is really cool. Yeah. And, and Lee Fon is one because in a lot of the other regions of the setting, that stuff is kind of fading a little bit or the some of the, the, the old school rules are not as strict. The, the 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 aristocracy is sort of you know dwindled but in in lifan there are still these like aristocratic clans and they still have a lot of cultural influence and so uh and so it's kind of you know like like the, the big dividing line that that people notice when they would go there is you know in lifan they don't use chairs they use sort of more like low mats and things like that and so in other parts of the setting they're they're okay with chairs but in lifan they still consider the chair sort of a barbaric invention so uh so yeah i like i like uh, lee, lee fawn is i just sort of think of it as sort of the old school uh region of the setting yeah yeah very cool 
Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's going through the PDFs. You've got, you know, table of contents for days. Like everything is just, it's more like an index than a table yeah. of contents. I'm like where the hell is this? Where's the material at? <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have an index. So our tables of context have to function as like a, uh, a mini index sort of, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's a pretty big table of contents. I, I would, I would agree. <laughs> cool. And, uh, you also have an ongoing web novel, uh, the, uh, legends of ogre gate. Uh, yeah. And actually that's not me. That's Deathblade, Who's, who's the guy that was the translator that I mentioned. Um, okay. and he, he translates books like I shall seal the heavens and, um, uh, a will eternal and a number. He's also translated a bunch of, of Gulong books and they're up on that site and they're really good translations in my opinion. Um, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of a, of a, of a movie called hero shed no tears. And he has a translation up there. That's, that's really good. And, um, and so he's writing the legends of Overgate story, which is about the, the, the background of the setting is about this heroic couple, Sunan and Bao and their fight against the demon emperor. And so he's just sort of dramatizing it and, 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 uh, and taking the knowledge that he has of the genres from translating and, and making a, a web novel. It's really entertaining. Um, and, and what I've been doing is I've been uh, recently, uh, every time he releases a chapter, I've been putting out like, you know, items or, you know, new mechanics related to whatever's going on in the book. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I, I, I bookmarked it. I'm so far behind on my reading right now. <laughs> yeah, De Deathblade's awesome. I'm I like I I uh you know you know he he uh I've gamed with him. I uh I I I've I've had a lot of long conversations with him and he knows a lot about Chinese culture, Chinese languages, and the the wuxia genre and and now he's translating these uh these uh Shansha web novels and that those I mean it I don't know how he does it. It's these are really long. The the the, the whole web novel thing is, uh, you know, some of these they they release multiple chapters a week, and they they get up into the hundreds of chapters total. <laughs> they're, they're enormous, um, but uh, but it, but it's interesting because it's a whole it's like a whole growing emerging genre now. So hmm, interesting, cool. I I would have never known had I not seen it uh, coming off the website. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I, I would definitely would recommend if, if anybody is curious about that stuff, check out Wushu World. They got a ton of stuff there. Um, the, I, I know that I shall see all the heavens is like the is like a really big one that everybody seems to like. But there's a there's a huge selection um, to check out. Cool. I, I I don't think I included a link. I'll have to go back and and throw a link in for that. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. Uh, do you pr you run a ton of games? Do you prefer GMing or do you like? No, to no. I hate GMing. <laughs> I, like to, I like to be a player. Um, you know, uh, I I I uh, I run because I have to, and I do like it. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it because you wouldn't run the number of games I run if you were miserable. But I prefer. I the the setup I liked was when Bill was running the games and I was making stuff to to you know and then playing in the campaigns that he was running that was my preference i consider myself a mediocre gm i don't consider myself a stellar gm or i'm just okay and one of the things i think is good about that is i you know i have to uh when i when i write stuff i try to do stuff that i feel like any gm could sort of take and use and so uh 
but yeah, but the, the 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 better GM in the group was Bill. Bill was the uh, the the number one GM. I'm I'm okay, and I'm getting better now that I've been doing it. I, and 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 it's not like a, it's not like I never GM before. I GM'd all through the '90s, and I GM'd in the you know 2000s. I had my own games that I was running, but I uh, around 2008 or so, I I started to prefer to be a player because I just didn't want the you know the DM. You have the responsibilities that you have when you're a GM, so. Um, Yep. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's not going to, the games aren't going to run themselves. So <laughs> right. I gotta run them. <laughs> yeah, I, I've run some and I'm the same way. I'm like, I, I like to make crafts and stuff for the table. I'm like, Oh, look at this shiny thing. Don't worry yeah. about the story. Look at this thing. It's really cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, when I put the effort in, I can be good, but like, I, I have such a tendency towards laziness as a GM that, uh, um, that, you know, a lot of what I do is just I'm creating tools to curb the lazy habits that I have. There you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, our, two of our GMs, Todd and, and Neil, uh, just kind of have an idea and then just sort of roll with the story, which is amazing. Uh, our other GM, Jesse, he's I think more of a planner in that regard. Like he's we're playing a cipher system game now and it's part of like a 10 year campaign that has been running in the same setting. And it's all been sort of different ages and different stages. And this is just another offshoot of that. And I'm like, man, how do you, like he's got feast days and he's got calendars and like all this crazy stuff. There's, there's no fucking way. I'm like, let me bring up the, you know, the, the monster manual. And like, I need this level encounter. Okay. I'm good to go. <laughs> Yeah, I, see, I'm funny. I can sort of operate on both both of those ends of the spectrum. Sometimes I'll oh, like I'll do the over preparing thing where I just have everything covered, and I got like my big notebook, and I got all of the feast days and all that stuff. And sometimes I'll just sort of roll out of bed, and 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 I kind of prefer the games where I just roll out of bed. And the problem with those though is the longer those games go on, the more prep and planning they seem to, re- the more record keeping they require. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so that that's the part that always annoys me. Um, but but I you know I've learned to do it just so that I'm not asking my players, hey, is this character dead or alive? Like I can't. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that, yeah, and but, in an Alusha campaign, that 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 is something you've got to be on top of because they're right. dying all the time. And so, well, especially with those. Bi- so if you do like a big world, you know, overarching campaign, and you know there are cogs in this huge like that. Yeah, that, that's a ton of bookkeeping. Yeah, <laughs> what's happening. Happen- I tend not to recently I for some reason I decided to introduce time travel. I think I was I must have been I must have been watching a Chinese Odyssey again and I like oh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw time travel at them and see what happens. And then I I did this whole thing with a module that's got time travel and I I ran my play and I and I I made this really elaborate system for how things change when they introduce, you know, <laughs> introduce things to the past and my players I, I decided to unload it on one of my regular campaigns and it totally blew a hole in the continuity. <laughs> and, and so I'm still sort of picking up the pieces of, uh, <laughs> that'll but, teach you, <laughs> but yeah, but, but no, but, but it's, you know, but, uh, I think, uh, sometimes that's good. Cause sometimes it's like a big reset button and then, you know, it can all sort of, uh, restore, I guess. But, but yeah, we. I, but what I ended up doing was because I blew a hole in the continuity. I had to have two. I basically had to make two documents to myself and and figure out what what was changed and what wasn't. And it, it became a. It became like a. An, I felt like an accountant. 
um, except I was just dealing with, uh, you know, uh, lines of continuity in the setting. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, cool. So, so this, so when did uh, um, Ogre's Gate Inn come out? It just came out this year, right? Yeah, I think you know, I, I really should know the date. Um, I think we released it in September. I think that, and, and it was in PDF, and it won't be out in print in, until probably I would say December or January. I'm getting the proof soon, and so if that proof looks good and there's not any weird surprises in it, then I'll green light the the print, <laughs> and it should be available in print. But I, I'm really awful with that. Like I. I kind of release things at my own pace and then I have this habit of I release the PDF first and then like I take forever to put out the print and I'm just, I'm just not, uh, uh, I, I just constitutionally, that's the only way that I'm capable of doing this. So, um, now is, the, is the print also available on RPG now or is that coming no, from no. print on demand or it's uh so we, we go through studio two for our distribution and stuff. And so it'll be available through a link on our webpage. You can directly order it from studio two if you want, or you can, you know, find it in various platforms and, and sometimes in stores and things. I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know exactly where it ends up, but I know it gets into <laughs> distribution. People tell me they see them in places. So, uh, so if you can't find it at a store though, just either ask the, ask the guy at the store or just go online and go to our website and I'll, I can connect you to it. Cool. Very sweet. Uh, do you have any uh, new projects coming up for tail end of this? Well, I guess this year's almost yeah. over. Do you have anything coming up for next year? I, uh, I have, so, so I have the house of paper shadows, which is, um, it's like a horror. I, I was, I, I originally wanted to have it out by Halloween, but that, that obviously isn't going to happen. And so that'll probably be out. Uh, I'm going to say, January or February is probably a safe bet now. Um, if, if, if we're lucky, we'll get it out in December if we can really uh, crank things up. But that's like a horror adventure set at the House of Paper Shadows, which is this really important organization in the, uh, in the setting. And uh, it's, it's, it's a really cool adventure. I, 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 I think it's one of our better ones. We also have a book called The Tournament of Daolu, which is a tournament module. And that's kind of a cross-promotional thing that I'm doing with... Um, uh, with, with Deathblade at Wushu World for Legends of Ogregate. And so that's going to be a pay what you want because uh, it's like promotional. And it's, but it's going to be like a hundred page PDF. It's got all kinds of stuff and it's got, it's got the time travel adventure that I was talking about. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's all, it's, it's a, it's a really crazy time travel adventure and it might not even happen because it's this one little thing that could come up if, if something happens at the tournament. So, uh, it may, it may never even come up in the people's campaign, but it's a, that'll be like a hundred pages. And, uh, and it's just, it's essentially a setting book for Dalu. And what I was trying to do is I was trying to connect the modern era of Ogre Gate with the stuff that's going on in Legends of Ogre Gate. So that's why there's a time travel thing in it. Gotcha. And so you can get some of the sort of the classic Ogre Gate setting stuff in there. And then um, I'm working on a new project called Tales of Puso, uh, sorry, Tales of Song Ling. And it's basically, uh, I just wanted to do like a strange tales from a Chinese studio type game. And I was originally going to do it as like a pure ogre gate thing. And I decided to step back and make something that was based on ogre gate, but, but tailor it to what I was trying to do. And so, so this is still familiar. Like it has a lot of the core, uh, rules that you would find in ogre gate, but it's much more simplified and character creation is faster and it's more geared for horror. So the, the characters die more easily and uh 
and and it's basically if you like like a Chinese ghost story or painted skin or um, the bride from hell and you know stuff like that, it's that kind of a thing. And uh, and that I don't know when that's going to come out. I like or that right now. I just have the I just the maps have just been finished, and now we're going to start in on the art. And so once we once we get through all that, uh, uh, hopefully sometime by mid next year, that one will be out too. Okay, uh, is that just an adventure, or is that going to be a whole? It's a whole game. game. It's a whole game. It's a, um. It's so it's a it's a it's 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 going to be a shorter book because I'm tired of doing the 400 500 page <laughs> thing. Uh, I'm I'm tired of the 195 page. It's just too much now. So I'm doing 100 page books now, and and this is going to be 100 pages. It'll be a fairly simple rule system, and there'll be four uh, lengthy adventures in it to kind of get the ball rolling. And then we'll have a bunch of adventure siege and the monster section and all that. But it's basically just a you know a standalone game and the way that I've been using it, and you don't have to use it this way, you, I present a number of possibilities, but I use it as sort of a dream world for my characters in Ogre Gate. And so, oh. that, so that's not the way it has to be used. That's just how I use it. But, but basically, uh, I have, uh, so on my Tuesday game, they have their Ogre Gate characters, and then they have their dream version characters of themselves that are in these strange tales. And we kind of have been alternating between those two realities. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's been fun because sometimes I want to just have like a monster adventure and I don't want to do the, you know what I mean? So I can, I can do that with the strange tales. And, uh, and it also lets me experiment with different adventure structures because in Ogregate, I do tend to lean very heavily on the sandbox and sort of mystery type stuff. And strange tales gives me a little bit more for like monster of the week type adventures. Cool. It kind of like fear itself a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, and it's um, but it's it's it. I, I would say it's it's again. I go back to Ravenloft because that was the one that really that I ran as a GM. But it's it's very sort of uh, derived from my the way that I used to approach Ravenloft is sort of how I've been approaching uh, the Tales of, of Songling. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm I'm excited to check that out. I'd like to get my hands on that. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll see. I mean, it's it's pretty much done. I'll um I'll I'll uh, and and I uh and like I said, the art is 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 coming out soon. So uh, I'm hoping to get that one out fast because it was one of those ones where I started it and I just started, I I just started running a bunch of play tests and and I was there was a there was sort of a a prelude to this where. I had taken, um, let me see if I can find the book here. So I, I took the Penguin edition of Strange Tales and I, I literally did an entry on the blog every day uh, related to overview to that. And that got me thinking on it. And, and so I already had like a lot of ideas by the time I sat down to do it. So I think we'll get it out pretty quickly. I think it'll, it'll be faster than the normal track. Cool. I have to con Neil into uh, to running the scenarios in there. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll send them over, and you can uh, you can you can try them out. No, I gotta wait till they come out, and I'll, mm -hmm. and I'll pick them up. <laughs> That's how this is supposed to work, right? I mean, you gotta support your creators. <laughs> no, but like I'll like I like to get feedback from people, so I'll send things to people early on if they're if they're interested in giving me feedback. I'll I'll send stuff to people. I have uh, I have some folks looking at this one now and and giving me their feedback. But, um, you know, that's, I, I, I mean, you know, I'm a small operation, so most of it's my own feedback, but I still get feedback from, from outside groups. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, t I'm, I'm ecstatic that you came on, I, you know, going through the, uh, you know, through the PDFs that you sent over just was, was such like, 
a wave of nostalgia on one hand for for me you know with the sunday kung fu stuff and then just you know as having the opportunity to play so many games like man we've never done like a martial arts thing like this is the best like i want somebody has to run this <laughs> it's a lot of fun. it's a re- i've been running wuxia games for a while now and uh i i think it's a, i think it's a great sort of uh i don't know it, 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 it it's a great blueprint for for a campaign um and 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 system is almost not that important back you know back in the day i i ran it with uh with a number of different systems and and uh and i had not not this setting but i ran various sort of you know wuxia fantasy settings uh and you know i it's it's a lot of fun you can't you can't go wrong with like rival schools of martial artists and you know guys who will kill you because they don't want you getting your hands on their manual and you know just there's 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 just a lot there and and also i think the genre is it's a little bit sometimes uh one of the one of the problems i sometimes have when i do fantasy is i i have this sort of like very serious idea of what fantasy needs to be and that's probably my own issue more than anything else but with with wuxia it's a little more lighthearted sometimes you know it can sort of it sort of gets it sort of really balances between really light territory and really dark territory and like on like a dime and and so i just feel like i have a little bit more flexibility with the genre right and, and you're not tied to like you know so the knock on on fourth ed you know you have the power cards and it's very mechanical and very you know grid heavy and all that kind of stuff but, you know with something like this like the possibilities are essentially limitless um, you know, just from a, from a character perspective, like oh, I, you know, I I hit him with the with the wine thing. Like I don't have any melee weapons. I just use all the stuff that's in town. I I kick the the bench out and I you yeah. know flip the table over and like all like it's just, it's so freeform. It's just ah, it's super exciting. I I definitely want to play. No, and one of the things I encourage is for players to invent their own techniques that really adds to it. So, you know, once once players get in the habit of that, provided they're not, you know, you got to be careful because you don't want them like just, you know, I I just give myself this win button so that I never die. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you got you to keep an eye on it. But but provided they're being reasonable, uh, it's, you know, if, if they have a cool concept and, and, and it's, you know, if they, if they like, you know, they saw some Wusha movie and they get an idea, which is what tends to happen, uh, you can bring it into the campaign, you know? So one of my players, you know, he saw the five deadly venoms and that got him all excited. He, he started, you know, trying to make techniques based on that. And then, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I told the player about the movie finger of doom and he was really excited by the concept and he started making techniques for, you know, based on finger of doom without even seeing the movie, he just heard about it. He was, you know, he got all, all excited about it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's fun because the players can really get involved in that, that, creative side of it and that's fits the genre because you are you know a lot of the characters do develop their own techniques over time uh so so yeah i think it's a good uh i don't know it's a good fit i i find it really uh it works well for long-term campaigns in my experience yeah oh, if we only had room for another campaign <laughs> that's always the challenge that's always the challenge you know i've been i've been trying to play numenera forever and I haven't been able to because I can't fit it in. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, uh, luckily I do, I have people in my group who run different things and I occasionally get to play something that I really want to play. But but there are a few games out there that I've been itching to play and I just, I just can't, you know, I haven't had time. Or I, if, unless I run it myself, I'm not going to be able to play. <laughs> All right, you guys, this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I always say that. I always say, okay, guys, this Halloween, I'm going to run this and this is going to happen. And then, you know, I, ne I never, it never materialized. <laughs> so. Stupid adult responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, it's just, well, I, I always threaten to run like, a, um, you know, like a, uh, like, okay, I'm going to run, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to run you guys classic Ravenloft or I'm going to, you know, we're going to do Call of Cthulhu this Friday. And I, I still just end up running my own games and I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm at the mercy of whatever other people want to run. If I, if I wish to play something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily a bad problem to have. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, I'm getting plenty of gaming, so I guess that's, that's good. All right. Well, I, I, like I said, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I had a lot of fun. I, I, the game seems awesome. You know, just messing around, making characters and stuff, and you know, just just going through everything. And there's a ton of material. Uh, you know, pay what you want. I, it's, I think it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> I think it's crazy too. I, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have done it if it hadn't originally been announced as free. And then I felt like, okay, I'm obligated to kind of keep it in that zone. Um, but I have to say, like. I, I mean, I don't know. I can't, I have no way of knowing how much it would have done if I hadn't made it pay what you want versus pay what you want. But I feel like overall, I think we got more interest in the game as a product of it being pay what you want because it's easier for GMs to get the document to their players. Hmm. And so I, I, and people have been, you know, and people are, you know, more generous than you think sometimes with those pay what you want. So it's not like, you know, it, it, it it worked out. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for every game. Um, I it, but but it, it wasn't you know it wasn't. I don't think it was a bad move for Overgate. Okay, that's fair. And and do you have a Patreon or people who maybe uh, you know wanted to go ahead and try it? And then I I guess you can't go back and be like, oh, I want to pay for it now because it's already in your mm -hmm. library. Can people you know uh, donate to a Patreon there? Or? No, I I don't have a Patreon or anything like that. I probably should, but. You know, I'm. I, I just haven't been able to get something like that off the ground yet. So, uh, what, what, what I, what I would say is, you know, if you get it and you're like, oh, I should have paid money for it, just tell somebody about it. You know, and then that's that's you know that's sometimes that's better than 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 a payment because that that kind of gets gets the word out more. But I, I don't, you know, uh, the 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 other the other option is. Um, is they could, uh, you know, we have more than one pay what you want game. So I guess, you know, you could do it that way, but I don't, I think if you, if you, if you, you know, if you, if you didn't, if, if you didn't uh, pay anything on the, uh, on the front end and you liked it and you feel like you want to give back to, to the game, just wait for whatever we have coming down the pike. And if that interests you get that, you know, that's um, you know, it's pay what you want. You're not obligated to pay. It's not like a, uh, it's not a crime if you if you got it free and then you, you liked it and you didn't you know so i think it's fine i think i think it all works out in the end that's true and and maybe even more importantly go ahead and leave a review uh you know wherever you pick it up whether it's you know rpg now or amazon or any of those places leave a review reviews are are huge you know especially for for smaller companies kind of help get that word out there and it you know gets in the algorithms and and you know kind of boost stuff up so reviews always reviews super yeah, they important. make a big difference reviews do make a huge difference so i i should probably go do that now <laughs> <laughs> i always tell other people to do it and then i don't do it so but yeah, no, I mean, the reviews are good. The reviews also give us good feedback. That's the other thing. Like, you know, it's helpful to know what people are thinking. And if people really like something, and if they really don't, you kind of get a better sense of what you should be doing, you know? So 
Sure. Um, it's always handy. That way you're not designing in a vacuum. You're yeah. like, oh, I've got this really cool thing. And people are like, oh, I hated that thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also have very frank players. So, you know, I get, I get, I get a lot of feedback before I even get the stuff out there, which is good. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's still, I don't know. Um, the, the, re, the reviews the like you said, for a smaller company, that's, that really does get, it gets the word out. And it, it also, if people see something and there's a review up, it, it, it gives them an idea of whether it's worth checking out or not. So. Absolutely. Uh, you have anything you want to close with anything we, we missed any, uh, anything special, any exclusive stuff? Uh, I don't think so. I think it covered everything. Um, I mean, I guess I could plug the podcast one more time. The, you know, we do the, we do the podcast and, uh, and I basically talk about, uh, like I said, we we're doing Babylon five during the week, but the specialty is on Fridays. We talk about martial arts movies. And so this Friday we're doing, um, lady is the boss, which is, uh, sort of related to the My Young Auntie movie. And we did that last week. So, uh, so yeah, so if people are interested, they can check us out on Podbean. It's the, uh, the, the Bedrock podcast. Okay. I will have to throw up a link for that when they uh, to make a note for that. I, I think I missed the podcast. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people miss the podcast, so don't feel bad. It's, yeah. uh, it's a very small podcast, but uh, but we have fun. That's all right. Well, try help get the word out. <laughs> Cool. Well, I, again, uh, thank you for coming on. This this was a lot of fun for me, and I and I hope uh, you know we have you again on in the future. Next time you have uh, you know something cool coming out, we get you on and uh, get people excited talking about it. Okay. Yeah. Anytime. I'm I'm always happy to come on. Cool. Very cool. I, I will throw out our, our deets here as I have not done in a long time. Uh, you can find this cool content and all of our other awesome stuff at legendsoftabletop.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at Legends Tabletop. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on uh, Twitter. Technically, there's a Twitch channel. I'm not really using it. Uh, obviously, we're on YouTube. If you're watching this video here, you know that already. Uh, the Legendary Brew is available now through Bird's Coffee Company. So if you hit the website, click on the link there because the link itself is large and convoluted and I don't remember what it is, but check out the website. The link is on there. Coffee's awesome, roasted by GM Neal. So uh, you're going to get something good there. The coffee is awesome. It's all that I drink. Uh, I mean, it's not all that I drink. It's the only coffee I drink, you know, at home. Anyway, uh, but thanks for checking us out. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, there's links for uh, the Ogre Gate Inn and the Wandering, he Wandering Heroes of Ogre's Gate. So check that out. Make sure you pay something because it's awesome. Run some games, watch some Musha movies, and we'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.